welcome to Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Your host, Jeanette Linfoot, talks to incredible people about their experiences and unleashing their full potential. From the boardroom tables of big international business to the dining room tables of entrepreneurial startups, embracing opportunities, overcoming challenges, taking risks, while staying true to yourself is where the magic happens. So welcome to the Brave, Bold, Brilliant podcast. I am your host, Jeanette Linfoot, and I'm here today with an incredible guest. Um, She is a force to be reckoned with in the world of travel and tourism. And this particular lady, she is the managing director of Tui Blue Hotels. So we're talking about 100 hotels under uh, responsibility, 13 million bed nights and across 15 countries. Prior to that, she headed up all of the uh, concept brands for the differentiated hotels for the TUI portfolio. Big role in group purchasing and getting that established, which was a global role across the whole of the TUI organization. Prior to that, uh, I was lucky enough to have this incredible lady as part of my team um, in the emerging markets where she was business development director. And yes, I welcome Louise Bates to the podcast. Thank you, Jeanette. I'm, I'm very privileged that, to have been invited. <laughs> and it's nice to catch up. It's been yeah. a while since we've seen each other. Um, so I think a great place to start, Louise, if you don't mind. Can you just take us through your journey and where life started for you, where you are now, and just kind of anything in between that you want to pick out? Of course. So, um, um, I mean, I think, you know, I've told you before, I was really lucky that both of my parents are really passionate about travel. Um, and, you know, the, the family holiday was, was something that was a- absolutely sacred in our family, you know, and, and they were always very keen to get out um, around the world and, and explore. Um, so I think that planted the seed for me that, you know, I thought it was a good thing. And, and the sort of the ed- educational, cultural enrichment of that was, was really important. My parents both have really strong work, work ethic as well. And, and I think then that also is a really key part of who I ended up becoming. So, you know, we were very much a work hard and play hard family. Um, um, you know, the, the um, work had to come in order for the play to come. Mm. Um, and I actually find now as an adult even that if I'm not working hard, I don't even feel like playing hard. You know, mm. the, the, the two really do sort of yin and yang together. So, so I guess, you know, that's where, um, where it started. Um, I had recently moved to London, was in a, a job in a small direct marketing agency, and I saw, you know, a, a dark, dreary, you know, night on the bus, you know, <laughs> back to my horrible little bed sits or an advert for Thompson Holidays, as was then. <laughs> oh, my goodness, you know, imagine the opportunity of working for a holiday company. And, you know, 23 years on, I still work for a holiday company. In fact, the same holiday company, albeit it's had a lot of incarnations along the way. Yeah, brilliant. So 23 years, that's gone so fast, hasn't it? And, and actually, we knew each other sort of first time round in my first stint at Thompson in the 90s. So, yeah, that's where we, so we've known each other for many years. But um, talking about your sort of before starting your work life then, education sort of university or what yeah, know, where did yeah. where did that fit in um, um i i did a um my first degree in in um, marketing and management science 
Um, but I'm really young. I was born at the end of August. Mm. So um, I was only 20 when I graduated from that first degree. And wow. I was, I'm fairly immature, I would say, as well. So actually, I then decided to go directly on to a master's um, in marketing um, straight from that. So that, you know, actually, it just gave me another year. Mm. So, um, yeah, so, so that was sort of, you know, three and a half, four years studying straight and, and then came out um, and pretty much immediately moved to London to work in a really small direct marketing business. Um, um, as soon as I arrived in London, I got the bug and, you know, wanted to be here forever, really. So, um, um, yeah, and then, then that took us to the, the dark, rainy day. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, and London's a bonkers city, isn't it? That's the thing. So, so what was that like, moving to, moving to London, so young? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess for me, I grew up in a really small village yeah. in rural Nottinghamshire, um, um, which I definitely, well, I knew I didn't want that to be my life, mm. um, but obviously that to London is quite a big step. I guess, you know, I mean, what I loved was it was, you know, it's, it is so multicultural and so diverse and so energetic but also that you're totally anonymous. Mm. So you come from a town where, you know, everyone knows your mum and your dad and, you know, yeah. um, and, you know, and, and, you know, who you had, you know, lunch with at school yesterday to a, a city where no one knows who you are and no one cares who you are, you, you, you know. And actually, it's not like I do anything very crazy, but I just feel liberated that, you know, I can and no, nobody's watching or gossiping. You know? Yeah, yeah, because that must have been a hell of a contrast to, you know, when you first sort of arrived, being like, oh my God, big city, yeah. bright lights and all well, of that. Well, you know, back, back to my parents slightly, but I mean, they also love London. Um, in fact, they live in London now. But um, um, when we were kids, we would always come to London for a weekend just before Christmas, you know, go and see the... Harrods window and you yeah. know all, all of that stuff and I'm fairly sure they bought our Christmas presents while we weren't looking as well and that kind of thing um um but yeah so so I'd always associated London with you know super fun and you know all yeah. that sort of sparkly lights and you know exciting times yeah um so so I did know London a little obviously we only did you know kind of the big west end sites I didn't mm. I didn't know what um, um, the different neighbourhoods were like, but yeah, you know, so so there was a, a draw of that. Mm. But yeah, it, I mean, it, it can be quite intimidating, can't it, when you arrive? I was lucky that I had other friends from both school and university here. Yeah, but um, but it can be a pretty lonely place to to start out. Yeah. So you know. You have to get get out and make friends pretty quickly. Yeah, you make me laugh. Your your um, your Christmas trip to London and Harrods and the glamour of all that. The equivalent up north for us was a, a trip to Blackpool for the, illumin- <laughs> for the illuminations on the I've coach. I've done that as well. <laughs> <laughs> but, you I know. remember having Sam sandwiches in Blackpool. <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm jealous or anything. Not that I'm jealous. But uh, so, so obviously, passion for travel from your parents, really hard work ethic, mm. and you've got a sister, haven't you? As well, I have. Yeah, Andrea. Yeah. Yes. See, I'm well remembered. Um, and and you know, for you and Andrea as sisters, you're. You, I think you're quite close, aren't you, as sisters? And we're you, we're really close. Yeah. I mean. She, she did a similar path, university mm. um, um, and then into the corporate world. And she was in buying for um, um, several major retailers in the UK 
until mm, I don't know around eight nine years ago. Yeah. Um, and she was made redundant from a job and took that as had the opportunity that, to do what she'd always wanted to do, which was to set up her own shop. Oh wow. Um, so she runs an interiors um, um, shop up in Tufnell Park, which is where she lives. Um, um, so yeah, so we're lucky that obviously we're close physically as well mm, as mm. close emotionally, and, and of course now after 20 odd years in London we've got the same group of friends and you know and um, yeah oh that's brilliant um so moving into Thompson then because in the early days I remember I started undergraduate school but you went straight into a job didn't Mm. you um but I my memories of those early days were were almost I think we were given a lot of responsibility quite young really and now at that age you think you know it all don't you uh, well, I did. <laughs> and then you realise as you get older, you don't know anything. Um, but for you, so you, because you went in on the, you were in products as well, weren't you? Yeah. What was that first first sort of foray into Thompson like back then for you? I, I totally agree with you. It, it, certainly, even more so in hindsight, you were given a lot of responsibility. Yeah. Um, um, and, and, I, and I guess that could have been terrifying. I do remember, I remember the first sort of few weeks sort of meeting friends you know who didn't work there and kind of they're saying I mean they talk this really strange language in travel with all these terms and I, I haven't got a clue what anyone's talking about and you know and actually then you know it's suddenly slotting into place and and then you know I, I mean I guess it back in those days one of the things I remember most is the camaraderie mm. that we were kind of all in it together so yes you had a lot of responsibility but you were surrounded by other great people. Yeah. And we helped each other out and we advised yeah. and those who had a bit more experience would step in. Mm. So so although it could have been quite daunting, you know, I always sort of felt like, you know, there were loads of great people around me who had my back. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. yeah, I think it was a great opportunity. And of course, with all that um, responsibility, you have to learn fast. Yeah. So you yeah. just have to pick it up and, you know, find a way through it. Don't yeah. You? Yeah. And, and now, as I mean, as ND of a, such a big portfolio, I mean, 100 hotels, we were saying 13 million bed nights uh, and across 15 countries. That's like a really big role you've got into it, which is still the largest leisure travel company in the world, really, isn't it? I would still say, um, in terms of tour operating. Mm. How's that been being in that position for you? Um, well, I mean, I suppose what, what you've what I've kind of done over the years is, you know, when, when you think about the big numbers, you just get a bit afraid of mm. it. But actually None of it is rocket science. It's, you know, it's all the same tasks, just on, on a bigger scale. Mm. Um, so, so in a way, I would say it's no different. It's no different from being a product manager all those years ago in that, you know, we've got clear goals. You know, there are a number of people who play a role in achieving those goals. Mm. It's not all me, but, you know, we, we all do our part. And, um, and I would say, again, you know, it's about being surrounded by other great people, mm. you know, e- either, you know, colleagues, peers, the team, you know, role models above to kind of figure it all out together. So, so again, I, I sort of, you know, I still feel like, you know, you know, there are other people around me who've got my back. And, yeah. and I guess, you know, it's just, you know, do right by the customer, do right by your people, and mm. the numbers will come. Yeah. You know, measure the right stuff. That was the thing I learned from you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
make sure you know what's happening on all the things that are, are critical to the yeah. success. Yeah. You make a really good point, actually, because I think surrounding yourself with the right people, whether it's in business or in life, is, is a really important thing. And I think you become, a, certainly I know myself, I've become a lot more kind of conscious of that as I've got a bit older. And, and I think mm. you, you look back, well, certainly I look back on my career and I think about people that were really influential or showed me the path or maybe saw something in me that I didn't see in myself and, and you know who you spend time with is really who you become I think mm, um, mm. so that whole sort of supportive environment and having the right people around you I think is is, is definitely a theme for successful people yeah um, and and for, for you role models and mentors and, and that kind of support network that you talk you talked mm. about how important has that been do you think for you? Oh, I think that's that's been absolutely critical and, and I think you know probably early in my career it was kind of difficult to find the right role models mm. yeah I mean certainly back then you know there weren't that many senior women yeah um floating around mm. and it's also about um, um, and I, I, you know, I don't think it's all about being a woman, is it? But it's about finding a leadership style that works for you and that actually is you. Yeah. You know, yeah. so so that you're not pretending to be someone else from nine till nine yeah. every day. You know, you're just being yourself. And I think that that took me quite a long time. But but I think that's from you know pieces from a number of different role models. Mm. Um, um, both male and female and kind yeah. of figuring out that you know um it's actually fine to be yourself yeah and, and yourself can be a leader yeah it doesn't have to be some persona um um so yeah I mean I, and I was incredibly lucky to have had you know a number of kind of real sponsors um throughout my career mm. um who at different times have kind of passed the baton on um but have always been um, supportive in terms of giving time, advice, yeah. but also promoting me and pushing me to do things that I wouldn't have thought at the time I could do. Mm-hmm. But actually, in retrospect, I could. Yes, yeah. which leads me in perfectly well, Louise, to talking about pushing you to do things <laughs> out of your comfort zone. Um, and when we worked together in the emerging markets, uh, the first market we went into was Russia, wasn't it? And I, I remember when I got tapped on the shoulder by Richard Prosser to say, oh, how do you fancy going to Russia to buy three businesses? And, you know, go, oh, right, I haven't thought of this as a career, as my next natural career move. And then, of course, me putting together sort of a merry band of, of, um, <laughs> of very eclectic, capable people and you being one of them. And that was sort of our first adventure, if you like, together in terms of that, that whole world. Um, so that was that was probably the first example. But how did that? Can you remember how that felt at the time when we had the conversation around? Do you fancy coming to Russia with me? <laughs> yeah, yes, I remember it quite well. <laughs> I, I, I also kind of remember the lead up, which was um, you know I, I felt stale. I felt like you know we we just we just completed the integration project of, yeah. of um um creating what was then Tui Travel from yeah. from Thompson and um, first choice or Tui and um, first choice um um and I just didn't want to go back into mm. normal BAU type um um space and so I had spoken with HR um um and they said well um, you know maybe give Jeanette a ring you know <laughs> think she might have some suggestions for you um and I think you know I mean at the time I remember being absolutely elated 
that just that sounded like the most exciting thing yeah. and that you know and that there was no hesitation that I would say yes and obviously it helped that we knew each other yeah that, you know that, yeah. that you know I knew that we would work well together but you know yeah that, at no point was I like I can't do it I was mm. like I've got to do it you know this is such a great opportunity for me. Yeah. I mean, that's refreshing because I, and, and really comforting to hear because I was probably more, I probably had more <laughs> doubts myself thinking, oh, can I do this? Whereas you were like, yeah, absolutely. I'm all in. And I think that's great because a lot of people listening, you know, may, may be feeling like you were feeling back then, you know, I'm, I've kind of done a good job and I've enjoyed what I've done, but I'm just ready for something, something different. Mm. Um, and, and making a bold move, you know, brave, bold, brilliant, but making a bold move to to go and throw yourself out of your comfort zone and everything that you've known mm. um it does take balls actually um, and, he, and your enthusiasm was fa- fabulous because i just remember as we did none of us we all sort of made it up as we went along really didn't we and we, we were all in it together yeah um, yeah and that but definitely I think, helped. I, think, I think that's the thing in life isn't it that, that almost you know you sort of you have this perception that there's that there is a right way to do things and there's mm. there's a manual somewhere but they just forgot to give it to you and of course there isn't yeah. <laughs> life doesn't work like that and you do make it up as you go along yeah. but obviously hopefully in the majority of cases you know you've got the right intelligence you're asking the right questions yeah. you're you know monitoring you know the the progress and you can adapt and adjust and I suppose that that's how I would say my whole career has gone is that you know Say, say, you know, take it on, learn as fast as you can possibly learn, mm. and then just, you know, bit by bit, make it better. And I think if you focus on continually improving, then it doesn't feel so bad to make a mistake. So if something goes wrong, it doesn't really matter because you yeah. can now just get on and fix it. Yeah. Rather than yeah. being frozen, not doing anything. And, and that the point you make about, you know, I'm sale, you know, but, you know, it's a big risk to go and do something else. I don't think the risk is that big. Mm. You know, how how badly can it go? Yeah. If you you know apply yourself and and all of the skills and experience you've got. Yeah. No, it's right. I mean, it's really it is refreshing because I often think, well, what's the worst that could happen here? Mm. You know, I'll give it me I'll give it my best shot. And if I fall flat on my face, well, at least I've learned something and I'll just give it a go. You know, no one's we're not talking about a life or death situation here. Yeah. You know, so so that's sort of the mantra that I've always tried to apply things. Well, you know, if an opportunity comes up, yes, say yes, because you never know where it might lead. Um, and that d- did lead to quite a, a, a period of us working very, very closely together. It was like, well, how long was it? Five years? Five I was years. earlier. Yeah. Um, which is crazy. So of course, we did Russia, which was bonkers and, um, you know, really exciting. It was the first market and we were all in it together. We had a really kind of tight team, didn't we? And we became great friends during that period as well. And then after, I'm trying to think of the order, after that, I think it was China, wasn't it? Mm. Yes, it yeah, was. It was. Um, so do you want to talk us through how China happened for you and, <laughs> and, and sort of where that fitted into the, the picture? Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, that one was slightly random. Obviously, we were working together already by that point. Um, but at the time, I had a boyfriend who had a, a job opportunity in Hong Kong. And so I sort of said, you know, Chris is going to, you know, move to Hong Kong. And, you know, he's asked me if I want to go with him. And, you know, and then obviously, you know, Jeanette said, um, well, we could have something in Beijing. What do you think? And I just thought, 
this is absolutely perfect. <laughs> absolutely perfect. Of course, you know, thinking that a, a weekend commute between Hong Kong and Beijing would be a bit like flying to Glasgow or something. <laughs> to realise it was a four-hour flight and, you know, full, full immigration each way. But, you know, but again, you know, for the sake of, you know, some time on, on, in airports and on planes that, you know, I probably will never get back. You know, an amazing opportunity, yeah. you know, and, and to see, you know, both Hong Kong and Beijing, you know, as a, you know, sort of native and, and to work in that environment. But, I mean, the work environment was really quite unusual, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Culturally, that was probably the most foreign mm. Um, um, mm. and the most different from yeah. sort of um, and what, what I would class as our normal Western working practices. Yeah. Um, you know, just don't really work there, do they? But, I mean, it was fascinating, wasn't it? And, again, you know, met some amazing people, worked with some amazing people, mm. um, you know, and, and, and yeah learned so much yeah and I think that's it it was such a learning I mean all of these markets were so different weren't they and you know Mm. I think for me any any business that's thinking of internationalizing and obviously Mm. you've got an very international role now probably more European centric than Mm. when we're doing the emerging Mm. markets but nonetheless you know I think it's easy to underestimate the cultural differences and I think we tried Mm. hard not to you know we tried hard to not just come and impose a Europe a Western European way of doing things because you will fall flat on your face Um, but Mm. that takes time and patience doesn't it and I think the other thing that that struck me during that time was you know the best best laid plans and you think it's going to take you a certain amount of time and then you can pretty much double it and add a bit (laughs) (laughs) for sure um, but great, great fun. And, you know, mm. so any, I think anyone that has the opportunity that's listening that has the chance to work internationally, mm. um, I would always say grab it because you just, you do learn so much and the cultural diversity is fascinating. 100%. Yeah. And I, th- I think also you learn so much about yourself because what, what it does almost is you, you, know, you sort of lift yourself up from your, your normal operating environment. And you drop into somewhere entirely different. Mm. And firstly, you know, you know, just simple stuff like what do I buy in the supermarket? I mean, I remember asking one of our, our Chinese colleagues to come to the supermarket with me because I didn't know what a lot of the fruit and vegetables were. Yeah. I didn't know if it was a fruit or a vegetable, whether <laughs> you cooked it or ate it raw or peeled it or not. You know, so yeah, those sort of experiences are invaluable. Yeah. But, but also I sort of think that, you know, that kind of... That resilience and, you know, thinking, you know, I'm just going to get on a plane with a suitcase and, you know, we'll figure it out, but I won't be alone. And, you know, there will be people, you know, to, to support all the way. Um, um, it really allows you then, when, when I stepped back out of the emerging markets role and back into mm. a more European-centric space, I, I can kind of see it with new eyes okay, back yeah. here as well. Yeah. So, you know, so, and, and you know, and, and whilst obviously... In travel, we were going as kind of, you know, coming from the mature markets to the immature markets. Mm. That doesn't mean you don't learn things about, mm. you know, I mean, certainly in, in some of those places, 
they've kind of leapfrogged. Yeah. They, they've jumped above the or past the, the space yeah. you're in, in, yeah. in a mature business. Yeah. So actually, you do learn lots, you know, and, and they're still great people just because it's a, an immature industry. Doesn't yeah. mean that you, you, know, you don't find people you can learn from. Yeah, yeah. And, and arguably, in terms of some of the digital stuff, actually, mm. you know, the use of technology, mm. as you say, yeah. there's, there's streets ahead um, yeah. in a lot of senses as well. And, and of course, then, well, not of course, actually, but for anyone listening, so, you know, we talk about 23 years at TUI, but when you actually start digging around into this, you realise just quite how different your career has been over each of those periods. And, it, you know, so someone will say, oh, God, how do you stay in the same company for so long? Actually, it's not really the same company in, in that sense, is it? But then we, uh, I remember we, I had a, a vacancy in India. Um, I remember the conversation with you and I was saying, and I was, I was stuck, I was in a bit of a tricky patch because I didn't have an MD um we'd had to make some changes shall we say uh, so I was nd in India and I remember saying to you oh Louise Louise how, how do you fancy going to India so this is like I mean talk about calling in the favours this is now the third the third market that I've kind of said to you help <laughs> and then you yet again you just said yes Yes, that, that one was a bit more scary. <laughs> why, why was it more scary? Talk well, us through well, that. Well, I think as MD, you know, that's a very different space. Now, yeah. obviously, it was for an interim period. But, you know, I, I think there it was. And obviously, I knew that, you know, I was supported and, and you know, all, mm-hmm. of, all of you guys were, were there with me um, um, emotionally. <laughs> but, but obviously, you know, that it's quite a big step. Yeah. from being part of a team to being the, the figurehead of that team. Yeah. Um, and I'd never really seen myself as a figurehead type, you know. So, yeah, yeah. whilst I've got loads of strength, I didn't really, you know, see myself as being um, um, that number one um, um, position. Um, and also, you know, it's, it's a business which is not doing well. Yeah. <laughs> it's a business with, you know, a lot of challenges, um, you know, and, and some great people, but also some people who maybe weren't, you know, um, right for, for where we needed to be at that time. Yeah. Um, um, and, and again, you know, a whole nother new culture. Yeah. Um, so so uh, it was scary. But again, you know, I suppose it was that, that accumulation of what's the worst that can happen and I managed to do that and that sounded quite scary and I managed to do that and that sounded quite scary so you know you know let's give it a go and and again you know I was surrounded by some great people um you know who were um I'm holding my hand through some of the the tougher bits but again you know I think you just take it step by step and you know mm. you know you spend the first few weeks learning and listening and you know figuring out who's good and who's not and who's going to be helpful for the future and who's not. And then step by step, you start implementing some change, you know. And I I have to say, I absolutely loved that role Mm. Um, to the point where, and you probably remember at the time when you were, you know, starting to recruit for a permanent replacement, I was pretty tempted to say, don't bother recruiting, I'll stay. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, at that point, I suppose I just wanted to be back in London a bit more or otherwise, you know, it was a very tempting yeah, very tempting offer. And you would have been, and you would have done a great job. I know. You, I mean, you did a great job when you were there, anyway. But it, had you stayed, it could have been. Well, you never know, do we? we never yeah. know what what never would have know. happened. Never but know. I want to pick up on on the point you said, and and we've had loads of conversations about this over the years. And it's what you just said. You never saw yourself as a number one, right? <laughs> and I would always say. <laughs> 
you absolutely are number one, Louise. You've just got to believe it yourself. Yeah. And I remember we've had this conversation a few times. So talk about that a little bit and where that comes from. This, this, and, and clearly you are number, you know, you're doing a number one role as MD of Tui Blue Hotels. So you, you, you've, you've got over the hump of it, I think, mainly, but it's probably something that's still there in the background in your mind. What, where's that, where does that come from? Yeah. Um, um, well, I suppose, I suppose I always thought that number one had a, a particular personality that, um, um, that they would be big and loud and, you know, own the room and, you know, really ballsy or really aggressive. Mm. And I never really felt that that was a fit with my personality. Um, you know, and I, I, I prefer to, you know, to be in a much more informal environment, much more friendly, mm. you know, warm, um, sort of cosy type place. Yeah. Um, um, and so I, I guess I kind of thought in order to be successful and back to the kind of the role models yeah. piece, that's what they all looked like. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess it, it took a long time to realise that um, actually the only way to be a leader is to be yourself and mm. to be absolutely who you are you know yeah. show your entire personality you know and, and not have a work persona and, and a, a, a social persona it, mm. it, it's one person um, um and I suppose that that's that sort of authenticity isn't it um, um and I suppose I just I, I guess I also sort of felt like I wasn't convincing enough that people would want to follow me mm. I think they would want to work with me and they would want to you know, to have me in the team, but but not follow my my lead so much, and and I suppose yeah, you just kind of realise that um, a bit like everything else, it's not that different. There's a couple of steps. And, yes. Yeah. You know, there's not some secret to forming a vision and sharing it and getting people to believe it. It's it's just doing what you've said there. Yeah. You know, yeah. and um, um, and so I would still say I'm I'm not that type of leader in that sort of stereotypical you know sort of um um you know corporate yeah um md type but you know but i have realized that i am able to build a fantastic team to inspire a fantastic team mm. and and to take that journey with them yeah no i mean there's loads of really good stuff in here because i think there's a few things i think one it's it's probably something that a lot of people feel anyway you know am i good enough can i step up you know, am I going to, you know, we talk a lot about imposter syndrome and things like that, you know, and, and do, am I going to get found out? I don't fit, I don't fit the classic mould, all of that kind of stuff. And of course, it's it's nonsense, really, you know, but we tell ourselves these stories, don't mm. we, sometimes? And then we make it a reality in our own mind when actually it doesn't need to be to be that way at all. And I say, I think there's a couple of things that there's one about, you said about being authentic and being yourself and bringing your whole self to, to work and, and I guess, work into your personal life as well, because it goes both ways, doesn't it? Um, so I think that that's a really important piece of advice for people. But I also think that the world's changed a little bit as well. And, you know, I suppose when we were forging our career, um, you know, and we still both are doing different things in business, um, it was almost like the way to get on as a woman in business very often was to behave more like a man or to be a bit more aggressive and assertive and kind of out there. Mm. Um, and I think, thankfully, I, I think it, it, things have improved 
for women. And, and, and I don't know if you think there's something around, one, you gaining the confidence and just more experience and being mm. comfortable in your own shoes kind of thing, but also the timing of, of life now in business as a woman versus where it was 15, 20 yeah, years ago. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think I said previously, you know, when, when we were young, when we mm. were in our early 20s, there weren't really very many senior women no. to look at not in our business but not in in most businesses yeah and of course now there are mm. you know so now you know there, there are you know far more role models and and I totally agree I also think that that's sort of that more um um the, the softer if if that's the right word or warmer yeah kind of of side to business and and that blend of of social and business is quite different mm. you know that's mm. sort of, you know, almost like you know when the pinstripe suits left you know the attitude changed yeah. and, um um and then yeah it became much more um easy accessible normal yeah um, um to be you know yeah. different what advice would you give then to someone say say someone who is wanting to progress their career or their business or whatever as a woman um or, or as a man actually that's maybe less confident or you know less sort of out there as a maybe more of an introverted type personality what what advice would you would you give someone in that position with, with the benefit of your experience and hindsight yeah, I'm not. I'm lucky because I am quite extroverted, but I was always um, um, really interested in people and meeting new people yeah. and making new friends, um, um, and I think that's really helpful. Um, and so, you know, I would say, you know, as an introvert, you really try to step beyond that mm. because, you know, I, I don't believe personally that that you can live up to your full potential alone. Yeah, you know, I think your full potential does rely on nobody is that perfect all-rounded persona even if you're running your own business alone you still need support from you mm. know from your you know your friends your family you know other other stakeholders you know suppliers partners um, um in that business and so i i would advise people to really step me on that and create a network and mm. and that sounds that sounds really cold and you know like I only know you because you're useful, mm. you know, and, and I don't mean it like that in any way. No. I mean it like that, you know, find people you like, you respect, you know, support you, make you feel good, you know, and make you laugh, have a bit of fun together. Mm. And all of those things combined will will take you forward. Mm. I think that's great advice because networking is, is something that can feel slightly stilted and slightly awkward for a lot mm. of people, you know, walk, mm. walking into a room of, total strangers and striking up a conversation you know strikes a fear of dread into a lot of people but you're right networking is actually I I tend to think of it as mutually a mutually beneficial relationship of, of whatever mm. that might look like and and that you know I think you're right to push yourself out outside your organization as well because the network within and yeah. when you're in a large organization like two years you know I mean kind it's impossible to know everyone anyway because there's so many people in the organization and mm. um, so that networking internally is really important but I think also the networking externally and not just in mm. your industry if you can go to broader yeah. business events that just gives you a whole fresh perspective yeah and you yeah. know I always think if, if you're talking to someone I, I will always try and think 
How can I be helpful to the other person? And it might be something really simple or tiny, like, oh, I know someone that's, oh, yeah, actually, let me put you in touch with my accountant. I think he might be useful for Mm. you. Or, oh, right, yeah, hang on a minute. Yeah, I read an article about this and flick it onto someone and say, you know, I read this article, I've made me think of you. Or what's it? So it can be little things. It's not all like massive gestures, but you nearly always find that you can help someone in some way. And then the law of reciprocity tends to sort of work its magic and yeah. things come back to yeah. you in a positive, positive way. And I, and I think if you think of networking as that, rather than cold hearted, I'm going to go out and make contact with as many people that are going to be useful yeah. for my career and help me yeah. climb the slippery ladder to the top. It's very different, isn't yeah. it? So, yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, people see it when it's fake. Yeah. You know, you, <laughs> yeah, you've actually got to like each other to yeah. form a network. But I think the point you made there about cross um, um, outside of your industry is is really, really interesting because I think we've all got the same problems. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we all want, you know, to find more customers, make them happier and, and, and you know, at a better margin. Mm. You know, they're all the same problems. And actually within an industry, you've got some competitive issues and where you know that potentially you can't learn as easily or you can't share as easily but outside of the industry it's the same principle Mm. you're just selling a different product yeah um and so you can absolutely you know get your heads together on how have you tackled this or you know how you know let's think outside of the box together on Mm. you know what the future might look like yeah yeah definitely no it's it's a really good perspective actually and and you talked a little bit around um sort of I suppose the travel industry well travel at but any industry you've got customers you know you've got financial targets you've got employees people Mm. teams um, marketing all of the basic functions pretty much exist in any in any business wherever you are in the world or whichever sector but and, and travel is quite unique in a way over and above all of that because of the shocks you know any global shock it's so international and you know the margins are thin as we know you don't you know you have to you have to pedal quite hard to make any money in a travel business and we've both been through some pretty tough times you know 9-11 you know early well Gulf War I guess way back Mm -hmm. as as first sort of thing and of course what we're dealing with now which is sort of unprecedented I've never heard that word used so much but (laughs) unprecedented um how does that resilience, so how do you approach that when the times are really tough in the industry and they, they've never been tougher, I don't think, than now? Um, how do you cope and what are the things that you put into play to sort of survive really for the business, but also for your own your own kind of mentality as <laughs> well? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think you're right. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, that, that when, whatever crisis you're dealing with, you think it's the biggest thing that's ever happened. Yeah. And now we're finally in the biggest thing that's ever happened happened in the yeah. industry I hope there's nothing bigger coming with well not while I'm still working anyway yeah but um um it, it's interesting because it, it, it's something that I've, I've had to reflect on I mean you know spending the summer working from home alone mm-hmm. at my dining table you know you, you really do have to concentrate on you know staying positive staying focused um, yeah. um and and I guess what what I've always said is is to, to my team now is is well let's focus in on firstly what can we control yeah so you know we can't find a cure you know mm-hmm. unless one of you does you know a really good course in biochemistry in the next few weeks we're not going to find the cure 
So what can we control um, um, and only worry about those things? And, and the key things for us is a, has been about cash protection, mm. you know, cost-saving cost measures, and anybody who we can take on holiday, any hotel we can open, make sure those customers have a really, really great experience. Yeah. They get that holiday, they get the, that experience and all of the benefits, um, um, and they will then, you know, continue to be our customers once mm. this has passed and yeah. I suppose yeah it's you know it it has definitely been harder and longer than we'd initially hoped yeah. but it will pass and what we know, we do know is customers love holidays and, and will want to continue we need to be there and you know mm. as the brand of choice for them when they come out of this yeah no I think that's great advice and and I mean obviously you know we talk about holidays I think people and think quite not not flippantly or casually about holiday oh it's mm. just a holiday it's not it's not an essential item you know it's not like putting food on the table or you know a roof mm. over your head but it is such an important part of people's lives isn't it you know and I always think you never know what someone's circumstances are you know and that holiday they could be recovering from an illness they it could be you know family time together or reconnecting with the kids or a relationship that just needs a bit of TLC or there's so many reasons and so many benefits you know social benefits yeah. aren't there yeah that actually I think and that's possibly why we love the industry so much because it's ever-changing ever-challenging holidays are such a, an enriching thing but you, you are genuinely changing people's lives for the better and I think sometimes that sounds a bit grand but sometimes we can lose sight of that and I think now more than ever you can see the impact of people that maybe can't get away or they, they are stuck at home in difficult situations and like you say if you can do the right thing by the customer now um, as much as possible or just give them some inspiration for next year mm. or whenever it may be, that's a really good thing to do for yeah. society. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you used the, the word enriching, which was exactly what I had in, in my mind mm. as you were talking, that, you know, it, it, it enriches in so many ways, you know, it, both, you know for, for the customer themselves and, and their families um, but for the destinations where, where the customers are visiting as well. And I, you reminded me then of a, a time where I was actually out supporting some of my team in, in a new hotel opening. Um, you know, and, and these things can be quite stressful, as, as you know. <laughs> um, not, not everything is always built exactly as you wanted it to be, exactly to the time frame you wanted. <laughs> um, and it was, a, it was a fairly stressful opening, and, you know, and, and, you know, but stressful because we wanted everything to be so unbelievably perfect for mm. the customer. Um, um, and, you know, and there'd been a lot of running around and shouting, and, you know, um, and the customers arrived, and, you know, Things were, were fine, but, you know, behind the scenes, there were a, a lots of things still um, um, going on to, to continue to, to, to be perfect. But I watched, you know, I had, you know, 20 minutes where I could, you know, have a coffee on the terrace of this hotel. And I watched a father teaching his son to swim. And, you know, and you, sort of, you could kind of see this, that they were reconnecting, you know. Yeah. Probably didn't spend much time together the rest of the year. Mm. This is a, you know, it's a life-changing moment in that son's life because he's giving him the ability to swim, to keep yeah. himself safe in the water for the rest yeah. of his life. And for the father to be watching the child develop in that mm. way. And, it, you know, and, and just in that, you think, that's why I do it. Now, now I'm re-energised. Yeah. I can, you know... I'm going to open another 10 hotels today because yeah. I, I just saw that. 
Yeah, that's great, actually. What a beautiful story. And, and you, you know, you, your reason why. And that's the bit. So, so when you talk about your reason why, that's why you do it. And that, that mm. was sort of encapsulated mm. in, that, in that beautiful moment. Um, do, you, do you consciously have a vision I mean, there's a vision for the business or, mm. you know, and there's a vision and a plan for and a purpose for yourself, for your mm. own life. Mm. Um, is that something that you think about or or, is it, or do you just kind of, does it evolve as you, yeah. as you progress? I, w- I would say it's something that I think about in the sense that I don't <laughs> and I kind of feel guilty. You know, it's almost that, it's, it's that, that interview question, isn't yeah. it, about where do you want to be in five years' yeah. time? And I always yeah. feel like I should have some you know, perfectly polished answer to that. And I've never had one. (laughs) Whenever I've been asked, I've had to kind of make it up on on the spot. So, but, but, but I guess what I would say is, is that I now know enough about myself and Mm. what makes me happy to say that my vision would be to continue to be, you know, surrounded by people that I like and respect and, you know, can have fun with, but, but learn from as well. Um, and that could be in a number of different environments, but I certainly wouldn't want it to be something which was particularly static. Yeah. And I would certainly want to be in a place where things do change rapidly mm. Um, mm. Um, and the satisfaction of kind of jumping with those changes yeah. would be. Yeah. So, you know, I can't kind of, you know, describe that job or, or that place, but, mm. but those are the sort of characteristics that... Yeah. that are in my vision and I think you're right a lot of people don't know they don't they don't think of it I mean I don't think I really sat down and considered this stuff probably until you know even probably early 40s and you know I was probably having a midlife crisis at the time but you know <laughs> so I, I definitely gave more consideration to it and, and I think for me I got a lot of clarity from that but what's also important and you're I think that you're referring to as well which is which is key is sort of almost your values and and kind of what's important to you in like mm. in the way you live your life mm. the way you carry yourself and and that is a you're very authentic you're very much you and and I'm just connecting it to the earlier point you made around um actually you feel more comfortable and confident as a leader now because you realize you can be your true self and live yeah. live wholly and turn up at work as you um so maybe that's something that's that's kind of come through um, strongly yeah. for you as well yeah, I think so. And, and I think also, you know, it, uh, early in your career, you sort of feel like you're supposed to know the answers to everything. And, and <laughs> admitting you don't have them would be some sign of weakness. Yeah. Um, and of course, as you mature, you realise nobody's got the answers. <laughs> yeah. There isn't an answer. You know, <laughs> yeah. what there will be is whatever we decide to do and, and however we decide to, to execute. <laughs> this so you know um um, and I think that you know and and you know that 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 I think for me really sticks in my head is there isn't a manual that they forgot to give you (laughs) I love that (laughs) it's great (laughs) it's it's not hidden in a drawer somewhere in the office and they just forgot to to give you the key you know there isn't You, you can just do whatever you need to do for whatever scenario yeah yeah. do the best you can be happy treat people in the right way and and just kind of be true to yourself really I think that that's that's really that's refreshing actually so anyone that's listening that thinks there's a secret manual (laughs) there isn't one (laughs) and if there is can you please give it to Louise and I (laughs) brilliant oh fantastic so just sort of reflecting on all this great experience that you've had and the, the wonderful life that you're living today can you think of the best piece of advice anyone's ever given you, Louise? 
Oh, well. Or the worst piece of <laughs> advice, actually. Well, both, both yeah. are interesting, I think. I mean, yeah. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure about worst advice, to be honest. I probably just didn't listen to that. <laughs> but I suppose, you know, in terms of best advice, I mean, there, there have been loads. There has been loads. But, but I think, you know, the, the, the one piece, which almost everybody will have been told, I'm sure, and almost everybody hasn't listened to is, you, know, you are good enough. Yeah. You know, so, so back to you mentioned earlier, the imposter syndrome of, you know, yeah, you are good enough. And when someone has told you that, they were right. Yeah. But, you know, but actually, so my advice would be listen to those guys, yeah. you know, because um, um, I, I think it's so easy. And particularly, I think when, when people are, you know, for, for a driven person, you know, a lot of that drive comes from being really, really self-critical. Mm. Um, um, and actually, you know, so... You don't need someone else to criticise you. You're doing that for yourself. You yeah. know, take the advice from those people who are saying, actually, no, you are good at this. You yeah. can do this. Yeah. Um, um, and so, yeah, yeah, I think that's probably the best advice I've uh, ever heard. Well, I think that's, that's perfect advice for anyone listening as well, you know, because um, you're right, you are good enough. And, and, and no one is better at being you than you. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you know, yeah. no one's going to beat you on that one. <laughs> exactly, you're, you're uniquely different, uh, which is fabulous. So, what's next for Louise then? Well, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I would say I will. I will continue in my um, um, previous um, 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 style as you know, keeping an eye out for any opportunity. You know, yeah. so. Yeah, you know, I'm absolutely loving where I am now. I'm really excited to get the business back to a normal footing and, and power on with, with our growth plans, um, you know, and, and really sort of, you know, taking that, that Tui Blue brand to the next level. Um, but, you know, but as I said, you know, you know should, should some crazy, wacky, you know, idea, opportunity, project come along, you know, then, you know, I'm liable to say yes. (laughs) (laughs) Watch out, everyone. She's liable to say yes. I think that's fantastic. And where can people find you, Louise? Where can they track you down? Um, um, They can find me on LinkedIn um, um, and, um, yeah. At, at Tui or at my dining table on Teams Zoom calls. Non-stop. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, thank you so much. You've, I've really so enjoyed catching up and uh, I just think there's so much inspiration here for everyone. And uh, yeah, good luck with everything. No, thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity, Jeanette. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs>